You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about helping action takers and decision makers like you align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. Hi, I'm Sarah from Sarah Box Coaching and Consulting, where we help nonprofit executives lead strategically and achieve impact in the world, all while staying heart-centered and true to who they are. I am a former executive director, a believer in people and possibilities, and the best-selling author of The Changemaker Ripple Effect, a book about how one person's drive, purpose, and boldness can impact thousands. Now, joining me on today's episode as a co-host is the ever-lovely Rebecca Japovich. Hi, Sarah. I'm Beck Japovich, and I help purpose-driven people craft their brand voice. It's great to be here today. And we are excited to share with you our special guest coming up. But before we do, we want to tell you some other information. And we are here to tell you that the life you want is possible with the right support, mindset, and strategy. And Sarah, before we do meet our fantastic guest today, I want to share two more five-star reviews of the show. Nice. Thanks. This one is from Melgood Karma, who says, great guests. I'm glad to discover this podcast. I just listened to episode 71, The Creative Achievers Compilation. Very applicable info. A must listen on my list. Thank you. Isn't that wonderful? I that love getting reviews is like great. that. And you know, I always go back when I read those, I'm thinking, yeah, who was that compilation? Because you know, you do these and you move on. And that was a great compilation. So I'm not going to say anything more about it, but this show is all about Creative Achievers, so I recommend Creative Achievers listening, go back and check out episode 71. So Beck, and I knew I just tossed that to you off the off the cuff without any heads up, but you know, sometimes I think it's fun for people to hear you talk about you rather than me talk about you, because I could do that for ages. Um, oh, let's you. get yeah. to our guest. Um, mm -hmm. So on today's podcast, we're joined by Kylie Loveday. Now, Kylie is a really interesting mix of skills and talents and creativity. She is an actress, singer, voiceover artist, and academic. Immediately following school, Kylie completed her Bachelor's of Psychology at Wollongong University and then graduated with first-class honors. She then started her first PhD in the field of psychology, but soon realized that an office life was not going to do what she needed to do or bring her true happiness in life. She knew deep down that she was a performer at heart, so then she studied at the National Institute of Dramatic Arts in Sydney. While starting her professional acting career 
Kylie realized that she still wanted to do more, and she wanted to bring evidence-based practice to acting performance. Now, isn't that an interesting blend for those of us who work in nonprofits or business? We're always looking for what is the evidence-based practice, and to hear that being applied to acting is really interesting to me. So I was curious how Kylie did that, and I learned that she did this by starting a cross-disciplinary PhD specializing in both psychology and the performing arts. So in doing her PhD, she has pioneered new research field by bringing science to the arts. Her research findings have not only benefited her own acting career, but she's now helping other actors learn how to perform at their peak through her business, Creating Artist. That's an acting coaching business that she and her partner run. And their mission is to provide actors clear and scientifically supported performance tools. And these tools encompass script analysis, mental alignment, and peak performance, something that I think all of us search for in whatever we're doing. Now, as I learn more about Kylie, I'm going to share a really fun fact. And I, you know, I was already pretty impressed by everything she has going on in her, the different facets that she's woven together in her life woven together in her life. I'm so excited (laughs) I'm speaking too fast. But here's a fun fact that she just shared a few minutes ago. She lectures on quantitative statistics. I bow down. Mind blown. (laughs) I think, okay, do you have to put on a character to do that or do you love doing it? I don't know. We're going to (laughs) find out. But in this episode with Kylie, you're going to hear how to take control of your future and let joy and love guide what you do. And you're also going to learn what her research found at the intersections of scripts, mental alignment, and peak performance. So now let's welcome our guest, Kylie Loveday. Hi, Kylie. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Hi. Hi, Beck. (laughs) I'm great. I just, I want to say I am... um, I'm impressed with all of the different ways you've woven together the left and right brain into your craft and love of acting as well as psychology. But before I start asking you a bunch of questions, um, can you share with us if there is like one non-negotiable you do daily to set you up and stay on path towards your big vision? Yes, I actually have two non-negotiables. One, I must run every day. Um, I usually run about eight to 10 kilometers every day, even if I have to wake up at 1am because I've got to get a 3am start up the highway, I will get up and run. (laughs) And the other one is I must have a list. I need to see my day. I need to be able to envision the day because otherwise my brain can get a little bit chaotic. So Mm. they're my two. (laughs) Do you start running down rabbit holes? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, my mind does go a little bit like that, but I do like to listen to podcasts and um, you know think about my day or my life when I run. So running is not only a physical practice for me, but it is a mental practice, so that then I can settle my mind, settle my body, and I can move into the day. Yeah, I mean it's just wonderful, and this is not a new thing, Sarah, because like I've known Kylie for about ten years now. I think um, mm. at, at the time I met. Kylie was in an acting class and I just was doing my diploma of life coaching. So we had a lot of great um, 
sim- similarities in our thinking. And she was doing this 10 years ago. So it's not just <laughs> something that, you know, is, is something that she's pulled out for the past year. It's, it's long-term commitment. It's wonderful. Yeah. I discovered it when I was about 18, when I started mm. becoming an adult, that I needed to get up each day and yeah, just move and run. And that, mm. yeah, really helps me. So I think that's part of like the, or I understand to be part of the psychology of shifting too, is changing your physical state so that you can be focused, especially if you are kind of like spinning on a ton of stuff. We'll get into psychology, which is your, I'm not a mm-hmm. psychologist. I just like to play one at work. Um, <laughs> but we'll have you talk about that. But I am curious how, you know, you went through all this college and you mm. come to you come to realize after really putting in some time that you didn't want to live the nine to five. So was that the path you had started down initially that you would be in kind of corporate or a more traditional job? Well, yeah, I grew up uh, with a family that didn't have a lot of financial freedom. So that's kind of what I was aiming for as a child was to have that feeling of financial stability. And I finished school and I looked at a lot of different degrees. And the thing that really only interested me was psychology because it combines science and humans. So I didn't go, I want to be corporate. I go, I went to myself, I want a way of feeling stable. And I want to know that I can have control over my life financially and that I won't be hindered financially. So that's why I went straight to uni. I wanted to get a job and be able to look after myself really. So that's how I started. And that's why. Yeah. That's a really important driving factor, you know, that Mm. you've been able to pinpoint. That's wonderful. Yeah. I need stability. It's part of who I am. I kind of learned that very young whilst also liking instability at the same time. (laughs) That's an interesting dichotomy, right? Yeah, the contrast of humans. (laughs) Well, so how do you balance those? I am curious because um, I know for myself that's the same thing too, that structure, but also a lot of freedom within it, you know, so that you don't feel, I mean, my language would be stuck in a corner or inhibited from growing or learning. So how do you reconcile those two things? I think understanding for myself what my stability involves and for me it's like that I have to have a home, that I have to have enough finances to feel free but then understanding what the things that I love freedom in is. I love freedom in time. I like to own my own time. I don't like someone else to own my time. So that's why I like either working for myself or working minimally for others and that I like to have a lot of fun. I like to have experiences and travel. So knowing myself really well helps with that because I know what I need in terms of when I need to be stable or, you know, what I need to have in terms of um, instability, like creativity and being an actor is very, it's not stable. <laughs> so that's so here. part of it. Yeah. I love that. It's like getting really clear about the, the areas of your life that make you, make you a human, all the different areas, and then figuring out what are the, the points that you need to hit in order to mm. feel those things. It's very specific. Yeah. And I think that's a really great way to organize your life and, and, and live by your values. Yeah. You've just hit on something massive values. Yeah. So is that where you start or when you're coaching um, other actors, do you start with them getting centered on really who they are and what matters to them? Where, like, yeah. where do you go? It is. That's one of the central tenets when I start working with someone is that we work on their value systems through a process called laddering. We, I ladder them. 
and we get very clear on what makes them feel their best in life and what they want in life. Because without knowing that, you don't know, you don't know how to live your life and you don't know how to uh, respond socially to others. You don't know how to dictate your day, your work, what you want, unless you know exactly, you know, what you want and what makes you happy. So yeah, that's where I start. And that's why I quit my first PhD and why I got off that corporate nine to five track. Cause I, started realizing who I was. And once I had stability, I started realizing who I really was deep down. And that stability was only one part of me, that one part of me. And I started realizing who the other parts of me were. I was only 22 at the time. I was so young. Uh, so I've kind of, you know, grown up and realized who I am along the way. <laughs> but even so, there are people who don't ever take the time in life to do to you know reflect and ask those yeah. questions who am i deep down and and is is what i am doing or how i'm using the time that i have in a way that respects and reflects who i am deep down so i mean it that's not like baby work to do i mean people can think it's like oh so like self absorbed but on it's hard work cuz you have to admit and learn things about yourself and then make different choices yeah and you have to follow those choices if you're going to be true to yourself. You have to be really brave because uh, you, you only get to one life and you've got to be brave and take, use that life that you have. So, yeah. So I'm curious when you decided at, that is a young age, but also I think about a lot of the young early 20 people I know, they're actually really wise, especially if they listen to what they're saying. You know, yeah. they have a lot of wisdom if it hasn't been kind of smushed out of them. That's very formal language, smooshed out. <laughs> Just if you didn't know. I love that's, it. <laughs> that's very formal. But when you talk about helping people take control of their future, and you mm. talked a little bit about some of the steps you did about getting clear about who you are, can you walk us through a little bit more of that? Because I can imagine like people listening are going, I still don't have a picture of what that might look like to do that work mm. and how I would even know, you know, if mm. I'm... So getting clear on your picture, firstly, I think you have to stop and really reflect and look at your daily life and the way you're setting up your future by living your daily life and first looking at your work, the people around you, where you live, and you have to start looking at those facets and looking at if they're firstly making you happy or not. You have to first decide truly if this is making you happy, is this your dream? If you sit there and go, this is not making me my happiest, then you know, you're not in a good space. You want to live your life fulfillingly. You want to be bursting with joy every day. Uh, and if you're not, that's the first thing to just accept. And that's okay. And to accept that you're at where you're at in your life. And you can now make some change, which is really exciting. And it doesn't matter where you're at in your life. So looking at, yeah, firstly, your job, the people around you, and then start envisioning for yourself and your future, the next five to 10 years. And what would make you the happiest? What, what does your dream life look like? What makes you feel the best to do? What would you do as well if money wasn't a thing in your life? 
So getting really clear about the things that make you happy, the people that you like to be around, the things that you would like to attain or achieve, the things that are going to bring you satisfaction. Um, and yeah, that, that warm feeling on the inside when you get those tingles through your body and it makes you really happy because they're the things that you start, need to start putting goals in place to achieve and start changing. And that can be really hard because you could be in a nine to five job, you could uh, like an accountant and, or you could be a lawyer and you could make making lots of money and you could have a really pretty picture from the outside. You could have a really happy, stable family, but maybe that's not actually making you happy. Maybe you would actually love to be a travel journalist um, or something completely different. And that's firstly, you've got to accept that, that you're not happy and start realizing how you can be happy and start making change to be happy. And that doesn't always have to be big change. It can be really small change. You might decide to drop back one day a week at work and start writing on your off day, something like that. But starting to make small changes to realize your goals and to even write a two, three, five, ten year plan to start listening to your happiness rather than what you think you should be doing in your life. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think, you know, there's going to be listeners who are going, yeah, yeah, I get that, I get that. Um, but they might have, you know, responsibilities like family or they might find themselves with, um, you know, accountability to people and they're thinking, okay, I get that, but there's this extra layer of like, how do I manage this? How do I manage my time without like, you know, taking away from uh, my kids or whatever the responsibilities mm. that I've put on. So I think it's a really good point that you, like, what would you say to them? What would you say to them? You talked about like doing small steps. What else would you say? Yeah, I would say that there is no excuse to not make change. That having a family and responsibility, I have that too. Um, and that that's not an excuse to stay unhappy. That's not a good reason to have a crutch. That that's yeah. you, you know, accepting failure. And that's, again, it's not going to make you happy. So as I'm saying, it can be small. So you don't have to use excuses to make, to not make change. Yeah. I love that. Like it's the whole no labels, no limits, no excuses mantra. That's just fear. It's just fear holding people back. It's just society, it, our restrictions. It's, it's just, that's holding you back. And that's a limiting belief that's holding them back from creating their own future and taking control of their future they can still have a family, they can still have work and they can still pursue their passions in life. It, it doesn't have to be financial. Uh, they don't have to have a job that they're passionate about. That It can even just be a hobby, something that they do on the weekends that makes them really happy. You know, it's, there's no excuse, that's all, to live a, a joyless life. You know, it's mm. interesting as you say that is I think sometimes when I've had people kind of share like, well, then my family would be just, I mean, the whole list, you've got the laundry mm -hmm. list. But oftentimes I just think, you know what, do you love your children? Of course I love my children. What kind of question is that? And I'm thinking, well, yeah. do you want your children to have like the world at their feet and know they can do things? Well, of course I said, you are their example. Yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah. And when you stretch and do something that maybe they don't even envision you doing, 
you've just taught them that they don't have to be like everybody else. They can stretch or do something different. And I think sometimes we forget that how we show up as a legacy, whether we're aware of it or not, or want to accept mm-hmm. it or not, we're basically saying, this is okay. And so if I ignore myself and what makes me happy, I'm saying, it's okay to live a joyless life. Mm-hmm. And they can be a part of it. Absolutely. And you can't change your work and that you can't find a way that they can't, your kids can't be a part of it. Like I'm bringing my stepdaughters, then my stepdaughters and I'm bringing them into acting because sometimes we have to do auditions when they're here. And if I just said, Oh no, I can't, sorry, I've got my kids. No, I wouldn't be an actor. So mm-hmm. uh, they, they now get to do auditions and they get to see what it's like. And that's really awesome for them to expand their horizons and their mental horizons of what is possible for mm-hmm. their futures too. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I love that point about legacy, Sarah, because like whether we like it or not, it's happening. Yeah. Think <laughs> about your own parents, right? You know, and mm-hmm. I know that I went and it was probably a childcare issue that I wasn't aware of. Right. But I would like on the weekends, if my dad would drive in and do work at his office and can I go? And now as an adult, I'm thinking, what a pain in the rear to have a little kid tagging along, (laughs) doing nothing except, but I would watch and then wander around and talk to people. I learned a ton. And I also realized I liked that environment, like people working, being productive, doing stuff. I don't know that I would have had that same vibe for that if I hadn't had a chance to just be around it he didn't do anything with me, you know, like, Hey, you have questions. Here's some stuff you can draw with or whatever. But, um, so yeah, I that think is that's really great to point. bring your kids in. Yeah. I mean, I grew up with parents who run, ran their own business. And so we were always down at the shop, you know, looking what mom and dad were doing, you know, helping out when we could. So it definitely influences the way that you grow up to see the world and see what is possible for you and what you like about that and what you don't like about that. There's also like, Okay, so what do you say when you've got the mom guilt? <laughs> There's going to be people going, yeah, yeah, I get that, I get that, I get that. But then, like, if I do all this, I've got the mom guilt. Well, I think it's about having really specific time and using your time mm. really specifically and clearly and having time for family, time for work, time for enjoyment, like, uh, if you're balancing a lot of things, this is why I make lists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to have very specific time frames for myself. Um, and I mean, I break my day down to an hour, two hours um, for different tasks. Mm-hmm. Where you go, well, when I am with my kids, I am really with them. And I mm-hmm. spend quality time with them and they know that. And then they know when I'm working or when I'm doing this, that I need to do that. And they know that I'm not ignoring them. They know that I love them. And I tell them mm-hmm. that I have quality time with my kids and I have quality time where I work or quality time where I'm doing something. So breaking up your time into quality and by quality, you have to be really present. And that way you won't feel guilty with, when you spend that quality time with your kids. That is so They're true. going to feel nourished. So mm-hmm. I think and it's really, I think that's a great point. So it's, it's organizing your time so mm-hmm. you can be most effective and most present for, for those things that are valuable for you and to you. And it's being, I think, you know, one, one thing with the organizing time is to understand the parts of your day that are like organizing time and they need to be yeah. bunched together. And this is creative time and that needs to be bunched together. And just don't use your time to like plot from organizing to creative to do Otherwise, and can I that add, doesn't bring you joy. <laughs> yeah, and can I add that 
guilt is going to detract from your happiness. And it's, it's, everyone hears this, but it's such, it's such a useless emotion. You know, you are your own person too. And just because you're a a mum doesn't mean that you can't have time for yourself. So Mm -hmm. that guilt is not useful for you than being happy in the time that you do get. So you're wasting that time that you get to yourself. So rather than being guilty, just realize that you also, you know, you are an individual and you deserve a bit of time for yourself. So guilt, like eradicating guilt will make you then more fulfilled than the time that you, you're not, you know, mumming, that you're not mumming. That's a good one. So I like that. I'm not mumming right now. I'm not, I can't mum right now. I can't mum. I can't cook. I can't do anything because I'm doing my podcast. I'm not doing any of that. But you know what I will say, and I'm going to own this, that when I first started carving out time for myself, I did it. It was really uncomfortable. And I could feel that clutch in my stomach like I should be doing something else. I, sh- I could be doing, I could be helping someone else who needs my help. And it, you get over it. That's my, my point is it goes away after a while. As soon as you say, yep, mm-hmm. I don't know, that feeling doesn't feel great. But guess mm-hmm. what? I'm going on my walk right now. And pretty yeah. soon, all you focus on is how great you feel because you're focused on what you're doing your walk or you're doing this or whatever. And that starts to dissipate. But I don't want to let people think because it's not like a snap your fingers and guilt just says, oh, Sarah's never going to feel mm. guilty again. That's no, it. That's you, it. It's I think not there's so many, that way. No. And there's so many layers of, of culture and being a woman that come into play with that. So I just think yeah. that it's a great, it's a great practice like that, that every woman should be, you know, practicing. It's just going to help, you know, leave that legacy for generations of women feeling stuck and ending with the same result want to know how sarah can help you with one-on-one or organizational coaching then book your free discovery call at sarahbox.com forward slash contact now back to the show kylie do you have a shortcut <laughs> do you have a, do short- have a shortcut, <laughs> have a shortcut to the well i'm thinking wait a minute two phds new research lectures on quantitative and um, statistics she might have a shortcut well let's have an example of like a thought that you might have that like a guilt thought like because you're a mom right so yeah, a stepmom okay. you know and uh, here so, i'll tell you oh Beth, have, you go back because you are a current oh, like little okay. kid mom. yeah i've got a little kid yeah he's a five-year-old and we get home from school and and we have the time together uh, you know, quality time, but then therefore I have not finished something on my work day. I have to go back to finish those emails for like half an hour. And he's like, mom, can you play with me for a little while? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I've got to finish this work, but when I finish it, we can do that. And he started to go, oh, that's right. Work. <laughs> so there's the, the feedback of that. That's the example of the, oh, that's right. Work. Okay. So, and you know, I do a good job of like reframing it and going, you know, well, this is great. I get to work with fabulous people and this is how we can make an impact on the world and make money. And with the money, we're able to, you know, pay for this house. And, and he doesn't you know, care because you're not playing He doesn't care. Him. He just wants to play with me. <laughs> so <laughs> is it your guilt or is it his feelings that you're not dealing with? Well, I guess that would be the pe- like question I would say to parents. I'd say, is it is it that you're not dealing with your child's feelings or are you not dealing with your feelings? Is it your guilt that you're taking time away or is it that you're not dealing with your child's feeling? Yeah. Because 
I think what you do then is you have to reframe an understanding of their feelings, your feelings. And it's always about replacing that idea and understanding the idea. So if it's your own guilt, if someone was saying, I feel guilty for taking away from my kids and I would say how you've just done, I'd say, but think about what you're giving them. And I would Mm -hmm. overcome that idea and look, I reframe everything positively always because negative thoughts just hinder so and it takes time to practice that but to reframe it with a positive like look what you're giving them they're they're healthy they're safe you're earning money for your children and you're giving them something you're giving them a gift so to look at the positives and then realizing if you spend that quality time with them that they'll still be really happy but if it's their feelings well it's about teaching them how to deal with their feelings the same way you're dealing with your own you know, you're feeling sad right now because I've got to work, but you know what? Let's look at the positives. Like let's look at, yeah, how amazing it is that we have a home and that because I get to work and some people don't get to work and they don't get to have all these fun things or this home. So how amazing is that? And in half an hour, I'm going to be back and we'll get yeah. to spend that quality time together. So I think it's always about reframing things to be positive because you focus your mindset on positive things positive things happen to you so in dwelling for your children it's the same teaching them how to you know think positively and reframe their thoughts yeah and I think that's really good that you've you've broken it into those two parts as you know the dealing with your guilt and then reframing that into positive and then dealing with their emotions and you know really coming at that as like a an age appropriate way and understanding that you know you've got that got that other part to to play with as well yeah we're not only dealing with ourselves but dealing with someone else so you've got to deal with them separately that is yeah. such good vi- wisdom you know because yeah. as you're talking about it, i'm going oh yeah that other person <laughs> has feelings too <laughs> but, yeah. once but once your guilt gets kicks in it's so simple to become defensive and have to explain mm-hmm. it away versus what you were sharing kylie right, of acknowledging your own feelings, but then really dealing with the other person's feelings. And that is, um, depending on the age of the person or your relationship with them, can take Mm -hmm. more practice or like I like to say, a few breaths and forbearance. Like sometimes you don't have to say anything. It's like just, it's okay that they have their feelings. And if you're someone who likes everybody to be happy, it's more hard on you than it is on them because you're going to want to fix it. And they didn't ask you to fix it. They're just sharing their feelings. Yeah, that's so yeah. true. <laughs> and if you, I know from a parenting perspective with a small kid, like if you just stay present with that moment and just like acknowledge it and go, oh yeah, I really get that. If they're just calling out for more connection and then you can fill them up again. And they love you. Down the track. They're not throwing you away. Hey, Kylie, I do yeah. have a question <laughs> yeah. though. I was so interested when you talked about both your business creating artists, but then about your research and then some of the work that you do with actors around the script analysis, mental alignment, and peak performance. Um, And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about what that means, because I have a sense that it also actually ties into the role that entrepreneurs or nonprofit leaders may have. I mean, I just, I'm assuming some things about what those words mean. Okay, so talking about the research and the well, business yeah, what and those three things and what they mean. Yeah. Is that too big yeah. a question? No, I will endeavor to answer that the best I can. I know, I know you can. <laughs> um, well, firstly, I started the research because I was, it came from a need. I was frustrated myself with creativity and how 
there was no structure. And I felt like for actors, including myself, it was always very wafty in terms of how to achieve your best work. So a lot of acting is taught through practitioners and theorists of acting, which are great. But for me, I just, I I needed some more structure and clarity because I'm a, a structured person and I needed more guidance. So I started my PhD across two very different fields because psychology is very objective and scientific and it likes evidence, whereas the performing arts like to come from the perspective of the individual and subjectivity. So bringing them together, what I wanted to do was investigate the experience of peak performance. So I interviewed some actors for my very first study and found more than probably what I bargained for. I found that the experience of peak performance was actually, it's not just the individual, it's, it's a hierarchy of needs that actors have that combines skill, it combines interpersonal factors and you know, personal factors. So without these things, you can't reach your peak. So it was a, a bunch of factors in a, a pyramid and you've probably heard maybe of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. So every human has needs starting at basic needs like food and shelter leading up to then reaching enlightenment in their life. Well, actors have exactly the same. <laughs> we have needs. <laughs> so from those needs, I looked at it from a, a simpler perspective because a lot of actors don't, they don't get uh, academic language. It's too, it's too much for them. If I was speaking about an actor needing to reach self-efficacy, to reach acceptance, to reach flow state, they just go, oh, that's way too much. That's over my head. So to simplify that process and the way to reach peak performance, my partner and I, because he's also an actor, we looked at it and tried to break it down a little bit. And we went, well, one of the non-negotiables for actors is preparation. They need to be able to analyse a script. They need to understand how to understand the story, a writer's purpose, have excitement within their own creativity. So preparation was really important and that's one of the, the two basic needs that actors need. The other is that they need to be able to understand social, their social support network, particularly being a director. So learning how to trust, respect the director and to gain that trust and respect and have a reciprocal relationship. So I was like, oh, there's social needs, but then there's also these personal needs that actors need. They need to feel confident. They need to feel accepting. They need to feel safe. So looking at that, I came up with the concept that an actor needs to learn how to live with an alignment mental alignment. So that includes personal and interpersonal factors. And then the peak performance state is something which is the very top of this hierarchy of needs. But peak performance, it's it's more than just when someone is performing. It's understanding your values within performing as well. So peak performance teaches someone how to perform at their peak performance-wise and performance skills, but it also teaches someone how to be motivated as a performer. So preparation is a skill-based look. It's a skill-based toolkit. You need to learn how to prepare so that you can feel mentally equipped and then learning how to work with others. So that's where mental alignment comes in. And then, yeah, peak performance is being able to reach the state of living as another character, 
uninhibitedly and spontaneously. So learning how to reach that peak performance state with another toolkit. So yeah, does that answer your question? (laughs) You were just talking about, um, you know, the peak performance and then the values in, in that. Can you talk more Mm. about that? The values. Okay. Yes. I love this. I love this part of performing. Um, (laughs) Actors start acting often for one reason, as in their own personal reason. And it might be because they enjoy it. They, um, you know, might like the feeling of freedom. They might like being on a stage. They'll, there'll be all these values that they start with, but mm-hmm. then we get into acting, professional acting. And we deal with a lot of criticism and a lot of lack of autonomy and a lot of rejection. Yeah. We, we have to deal with a lot and we are the instrument and it's quite personal. So we deal with a lot of yeah rejection. So it's about finding again and going through a journey of actually understanding how to always enjoy acting despite the adversity and how to find what your purpose is in acting as an actor, why you like it. Is it because you like the people, like going back to the reasons why you like it again, but also how to understand how you can always create excitement for yourself as an actor. So one, finding the values for the person as an actor. Like for me, for example, I know I just, I love being, I love act, I love performing in the moment and I love working with directors. I love working with people. I love the feeling I get. So going through the journey as a professional, I've come back to that and go, no, okay, this has all happened, but this is why I like acting. And I can understand that. And if something happens, I can go back to my value systems but also understanding that I have to find fun within my own performances and I have to find the excitement because if I'm doing it just to get a job or if I'm doing it just to please someone else, I'm not doing it for the right reasons. So I have to find my excitement within the work as well. So, yeah. Mm. And there's that crossover, you know, Sarah, between peak performance in that, but also being an entrepreneur or being a, a leader of a, of a not, not-for-profit who has a vision about changing, you know, part, people or the community. Like it, it's all very values-driven. So there's a lot of crossover between the work that you're doing, Kylie, and then the, the experience of leaders and well I think it's funny it's like a business person when you go into a business you go in first because you're really passionate about something and then you go through all the the admin and the hard long slog and um, coordinating staff and you start forgetting the reasons why you even did this in the first place so and having to go back then probably to realizing why you did it and start eliminating eliminating some of the other factors that you don't enjoy doing so much and outsourcing so that you can go back to your purpose again yeah. So when you're working with, with artists, are you, you know, like we have in business, we have a mission statement and we have a set mm-hmm. of values and we have key messages. Are you doing that work with an artist as well so that they're clear? Yeah. Well, so it's very complicated, but trying to make it clear is that we try and bring artists back to finding their own artist again. Mm-hmm. We try and help an artist find who they are as an artist in many spheres, within their own preparation, within their character work, within their purpose as an actor, within their performance style, always trying to bring them back to their artistry so that that's why we called our company Creating Artists 
because we didn't want to teach actors how to act, but we wanted to help actors find their artistry. I like the double meaning though, because you could read it that you are creating artists or, or artists in evolving. I mean, I just, I Mm -hmm. read, I read your business name a couple of times and I thought, I wonder what she means by that. And now after listening to you, I'm thinking it could mean many things, but the beauty of what you're talking about to me is that it is so aligned with life period, right? Mm -hmm. You talk about being responsible for resetting the frame. People can't do that for you. You have to do that for yourself because it's based on you and you have to choose, right? Which is a mindset Mm -hmm. thing, but really going, okay, what's here and why am I here? Because sometimes you'll find that the, that you need to um, not be present somewhere. Like you're saying, can I outsource some of this? Am I, is it time for me to transition to do something different? Have I lost my passion? But I really love how you bring it back to the artist knowing themselves and finding out why they're doing what they're doing and really being able to kind of, I think about it as one of those self-perpetuating engines, you know, because if we hand out our ability to reframe and be happy to external, if I give it to you and say, Kylie, make me happy, as long as you're delivering something for me, I'm going to feel good. But what happens when you go away, right? I won't have any sense of self left anymore. So I really... think the work you're doing is pretty not only cutting edge but just kind of brilliant and it's bringing all those intersections together it's very exciting Mm -hmm. Um, thank you Sarah yeah it's cool I like smart people doing smart (laughs) things with a big heart because I see it's not only just being a brainiac but you're like you're really bringing your heart to it and that your own passion to it which Mm -hmm. makes it even more alive for me as well, just one thing to add to that. Of course. It's it, it, trying to stay true to who I am because I can't teach someone unless I have structure and evidence. So I, that's why I did my PhD, so I could help actors, but based on evidence as well. This is not, it's not just my own opinion. This is something that's been shown by then research. So you, you know it's somewhat a truth then because it's been observed common human behaviour, not only by what people say, but with numbers. So that's what I really like as well, because I don't think I could teach it and help others unless it was based in that. So it's my truth as well. Right. It has to be congruent with who you are. Mm, And then for the folks in the population who are going... Oh, that's interesting numbers. But actually, I just resonate with what she's saying because I feel in my gut that what she's saying is absolutely true because it's played out, right? So I'm just recognizing Mm. there's other people that are going, she lectures on quantitative (laughs) statistics? I'm sorry, I'm still stuck on that. I just think that's so fascinating. (laughs) I'm a Gemini, so I'm I'm two-sided, you see. (laughs) So you buried the lead on that one. Thanks. Um, Let me ask, as as we're wrapping up this interview, I'm wondering if you could share more of the offer that you have for our audience, because I think it's really pretty intriguing, and um, we'd like to give you some time to share that. Sure. Well, what we'd really love to do is be able to offer your listeners 20% off our online script analysis course. We've just created um, a script analysis course online and this is something that's not really done. So we thought, why not just get our teachings off the ground, not only face-to-face, but but be able to offer this to people internationally. So we'd like to offer 20% off the 12 concepts using the code no limits, all in capitals. So 20% off any of those packages online because we have a few. Some people might like learning just 
you know, by listening to something online and we have a package like that, but someone might actually want to work with us as well. So we have packages where people can work with us, but yeah, for your listeners, 20% off using no limits for the next month. It's mainly for actors. It's really driven for actors and creatives out there. But you know, when I've been thinking about this course as well, it's not only for actors. It's also could be really for directors because that's one thing in my findings that I've been showing as well is that directors don't always understand actors. So it's, it's really interesting for directors to learn mm-hmm. how an actor works. Mm-hmm. So it, it's mainly for actors, but it could, it could, I was just thinking, I was like, it could be for other people. It's not for who, do, who is it to me? Oh, blah. <laughs> who is it for me to limit what other people, you know, want to do? in their life and what they want to learn. So yeah. Well, and that's your podcast. No and you might find someone who goes, I'm not an actor. I'm not a director, but this is totally relevant to something else. True. So totally. you'll have something else if to you're add working- to all your studies. And that's it. I mean, people who are working in a team, people who are leading teams, who need to like think on their feet and make sure that they're like aligned with their, their business. You know, it's, it can cover a whole lot of creative leaders. And on the website, there is a page all about peak performance so that if someone just wants to learn more about peak performance, they can go there and learn about that too. Because if you're, you know, you want to learn a little bit more, you can read about it. Nice. Beautiful. 20%. That's really great. Remember, no limits. No limits. Oh, it's just been a wonderful, wonderful podcast today. Thank you so much, Kylie, for coming on and sharing. And of course, Sarah for hosting and leading us in the right direction. (laughs) So I just want to remind people out there listening, if you like this podcast, please remember to share it with someone who you find will get value from this conversation. Just, Just one person today and we could be spreading this message and helping other people create a joy filled life where they get to live with love. And Sarah? Well, and if you liked what you heard, in addition to sharing it with someone, um, we'd really appreciate it if you would review the podcast. You know, you heard Beck read one of the reviews earlier in the show. You know, that isn't just for us. We know that when people review and they make comments, it helps us reach more people. So that means more people are going to get to hear Kylie's wisdom, share it, learn. And who knows, you know, sometimes we don't even know the lives we touch by doing something like that and saying, hey, I just listened to this podcast, Frank, and I think it's right up your alley. So posting a review, maybe you can help someone you have never met yet reach their no labels, no limits, no excuses, life goals. So I would say that until next time, Thank you, everybody, and go out and have a fabulous week, month, whatever, and stay true to who you are. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.